Welcome, I'm Prudence Robertson, and this is a special episode of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. Military abortion. Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama is calling out Pentagon officials for their abortion extremism. The senator joins us to talk about how he is working to stop our nation's military from aiding and abetting abortions. AG in the hot seat. Lawmakers grilled Attorney General Merrick Garland for numerous attacks against pro-life people of faith. EWTN News Nightly's Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales joins me in studio to share details on this and share about other extreme pro-abortion efforts he's been tracking at the Capitol. Abortions at the border. Congressman Matt Rosendale has seen firsthand how dangerous the southern border is and is particularly concerned about the black market for abortion pills in Mexico. We speak with the lawmaker from Montana about what can be done to stop the reckless distribution of these deadly drugs. This week, we're excited to bring you a special episode of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly, featuring a stacked lineup of pro-life lawmakers working here on Capitol Hill to protect the most innocent among us. Our top guest is Senator Tommy Tuberville, who came to serve in the Senate after a successful 40-year career as a college football coach. In his tenure, he's been highly focused on defeating federal government overreach, stopping abortion, and supporting our nation's military. Recently, he made a bold move to halt important nominations processes at the Pentagon due to their extreme abortion policies. Senator Tommy Tuberville joins me now via Zoom. Senator, thanks for joining me and for taking this bold action. You've said that what the military and the Department of Veterans Affairs are doing right now to fund abortion is illegal, plain and simple. Can you explain why it's illegal? And have Pentagon officials communicated with you at all about plans to change their policies? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, and what an important issue. You know, America is under attack, and uh, pro-life is under attack. So uh, I'm glad to talk about this. This is very uh, important to me. It's important to millions of people across our country. But, yeah, the military is playing Congress right now. Uh, the Department of Defense, you know, they, <clears throat> excuse me, rolled out a, uh, a policy, I guess a couple of weeks ago, uh, a new abortion policy for the military. Now, we've had one for years, uh, which was for uh, rape, incest, and harm health to the mom. But they've decided to change this. And uh, they gave us a small briefing on it back in, I guess, November. And I told them, after I got the briefing, I wrote a letter to Secretary Austin and said, now, if you do this new policy, which is basically abortion on demand, uh, not only for the military member, but also <clears throat> for dependents, and also uh, abortion at any time. Uh, so it's just gone away from everything that, that uh, the military has been doing for years. Mm. And we looked at a, we got a third party that looked at this and they're going from maybe 20 abortions a year in the military to four to 5,000 a year. So oh my gosh. Uh, I told the, the uh, military, we're gonna put a hold on all flag officers, nominees. Uh, they're not gonna be able to give uh, any kind of uh, uh, upgrades in the military until we get some kind of explanation or have this uh, uh, new policy drawn back. But American taxpayers don't need or shouldn't have to pay for abortions. And basically, that's what this is doing. Mm. 
And, Senator, we agree with you wholeheartedly that this is just wasteful. It's really a disastrous policy. Talk to me about what this money should be used for. It shouldn't be used for killing our own nation's children. Um, talk to me about that. Well, the one thing that they brought up was if we don't change this, this uh, ruling, this policy, it's going to hurt our recruiting, which is nonsense. Uh, it's never hurt recruiting before. Uh, with the old policy, but they're they're using Roe Wade as a scapegoat, saying that well Roe Wade's gone, but we have the ability to change this for the military, to change it for the VA. No, they don't. Uh, the Pentagon, the Supreme Court, they do not make laws. Congress does, and uh, I've told that in the letter to the Department of Defense, Secretary Austin, uh, everybody involved in this, and. I have not gotten any answers, any communication. Now, I have talked to generals that's come and said, Coach, we need, need you to lift these holes. I said, well, you need to get the people to call me that put this uh, policy in that's not lawful. Mm, makes sense. And, Senator, I read that when you were running for Senate, you were inspired by your father, who's a highly decorated World War II veteran. So I know that this is personal for you. What does it say about our country that our military leaders are so bent on facilitating abortions instead of protecting us and strengthening our military? Yeah, they just don't want to go by the rule of law. They want to change our country from inside out. They've, they've gotten away from God. We've destroyed our education. You know, we're teaching CRT. We're a, we're a woke military now. We're woke in this generation that we've educated. And I saw this in, in the universities that I, in the high schools that I visited over my 40 years. So our country is in trouble and our world is in trouble with all the problems we're having in the Middle East, obviously with Ukraine and Russia, and then of course in the Indo-Pacific, which China is our number one adversary. My dad, I grew up in a military family and my dad uh, <clears throat> landed in, at Utah Beach, went across Europe, was awarded five bronze stars and a purple heart at age uh, 17 or 18. Wow. And uh, so I know a lot about the military, but I love this country. Uh, I love this country because when you're born here, you're born number one in the best country on the face of the earth. And this country gives you an opportunity to do what you want and make something out of yourself. But the problem is this administration and this government that we have now, they want to dictate who you are, what you are, and what you can do. And that's not what we want. We do, we do not want to follow this far left socialism path. We want capitalism. We want God back in our schools in our country. We want values taught. We want to have crime gone from our streets and our neighborhoods. And we need to give this country back to Americans. Mm. Amen. Well, your passion for this issue and your patriotism is so admirable. Thank you so much for joining us. Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, we're praying for you. God bless you. Thank you. We recently spoke out about the abortion pill black market that's concentrated on the U.S. southern border. Some members of Congress are working to stop these crimes as drugs continue to be shipped from unknown locations overseas. And in related news, abortion drugs are now available at some U.S. pharmacies. But Walgreens has announced they will roll back their plans to distribute the drug in some states. This after attorneys general from across the country put the large pharmacy conglomerate on alert, instructing them to stop the reckless distribution of abortion drugs. And joining me now is Congressman Matt Rosendale, who represents Montana's 2nd Congressional District. Congressman Rosendale, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on, Prudence. I want to
to start by talking about the issue of chemical abortion. Now, Walgreens, after being put on notice by 20 state attorneys general, has decided to roll back the distribution of abortion pills through the mail and in pharmacies, including in Montana. What's your reaction to this? I'm really glad that they have. Uh, there's a lot of risk that's involved with Plan B uh, abortifacients, and uh, not everyone recognizes the danger that it poses to the health of the woman that is taking these things and the reactions that might take place thereafter. And if she's at home by herself with no one there to supervise what is even going on, this could turn into a very tragic situation rapidly. And quite frankly, I'm surprised that any uh, manufacturer or distributor of such uh, chemicals would even be doing so without considering all that additional liability that they might be taking on themselves. Sure, right, yeah, great point. And, you know, women are not just getting these pills at pharmacies and through the mail. There's a black market for these drugs, and it's concentrated on the southern border. It's been reported that pills are being sent from unknown locations overseas, getting into the hands of women everywhere. What, what's your reaction to this, and is there a plan in Congress to take action against it? It is tragic. I've traveled to the southern border three times now. I've gone down there, and I look at all of the, uh, the debris, trash, clothing, and materials that is left on the southern border from people that are trying to gain entry. Mm -hmm. And birth control pills, unfortunately, and abortifacient wrappers are there. And it's because we do know that somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 35 percent of these women, young women, older women, are being sexually assaulted mm -hmm. as they make that long journey. And uh, it is a major problem. And I think that we need to f uh, focus on what is the best way to secure our southern border. And we and we do know how to do that as well. There's policies available that we can put in place. Right. It's alarming to hear what's actually going on down there. Uh, Congressman, shifting gears a bit, talk to me about why it's a priority for you to work to defeat abortion in Congress. I know you're a fellow Catholic. How does your faith form your policymaking? Uh, every every single life has value and uh, there is a unique and new life that is created once you have a conception and i believe that that's when we need to start protecting that life that's when it deserves that protection and what we have seen is uh, by executive orders and different decisions that have been made by the president to try and sidestep the laws that are in place now that protect taxpayers with strong religious beliefs from uh, using their dollars to support abortion. And so it's my job now to make sure that the president doesn't go around those laws that are in place mm. and try to use executive order or rules uh, to be able to use taxpayers' dollars to implement abortion or abortion services. Right. And speaking of these laws, can you talk to me a little bit about what's coming down the pike? You know, in the House, we have a pro-life majority now. We're excited to see what members might be able to do, especially with what you're mentioning Joe Biden's extreme pro-abortion stance. What are Montanans expecting and what are Americans expecting from, from the Congress this year? So when we saw the uh, Dobbs v. Uh, Jackson case that was decided by the Supreme Court, that was huge mm -hmm. uh, so that we knew that the Roe v. Wade uh, decision was overturned. And all of these decisions were turned back over to the states. And at that time, uh, many of us came out and said, the, the battle has just begun. Now, now it will be uh, fought at the state level. And we need to continue to support support the state legislatures to make sure that they can pass pro-life legislation. At the federal level, we need to make sure 
that the president, uh, under this administration or any administration, doesn't try to use rule and executive powers to sidestep the laws that are in place that already prohibit the ability for taxpayers' dollars to be used for abortion, abortion services, mm -hmm. and in many cases, even abortion counseling. So we need to hold the line. That's what our job is. Yes. Well, we appreciate you holding the line and fighting for the babies in Congress. Thanks for joining us, Congressman Matt Rosendale. Thank you, Prudence. Recently, in a Senate Judiciary hearing, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland was grilled by several senators for the way the FBI and the Department of Justice have carried out reckless attacks against pro-life people of faith. You are the Attorney General of the United States. You are in charge of the Justice Department. And yes, sir, you are responsible. Yeah. So give me an answer. The FBI does not agree with your description. I'm not asking about the FBI. That was Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri questioning the AG about the Mark Houck case. He describes Garland's handling of the case as a, quote, disgraceful performance by your Justice Department and a disgraceful use of resources. Joining us now is Eric Rosales, Capitol Hill correspondent for EWTN News Nightly. Eric, thanks for joining me in the studio. Oh, it's such an honor to be here. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Talk to me a little bit more about this exchange between Senator Hawley and Attorney General Merrick Garland. Well, I tell you what, you got to tip your cap to Senator Hawley. The way that he went after Merrick Garland about, he asked Merrick Garland, does your department have any anti-Catholic bias? And Merrick Garland, of course, said, no, he, we do not. And then Hawley went in to explain about the Hout case. Right. And as we know that case, I mean, we're talking about a pro-life sidewalk counselor, father of seven, who goes out in the day to talk with people who are going to have an abortion and try and prevent them from having an abortion. He invites them to their house for dinner. I mean, this is a guy who wants to save one child at a time. And mm -hmm. Senator Hawley basically uh, just just ask Merrick Garland, what is the deal? Why did you end up, when you sent over to arrest him, why is it that you sent, uh, according to Hauk, he, he spoke with me, uh, he was there the night on the uh, President Made the State of the Union address, right. I did an interview with him, and he basically explained about how officers from the FBI came there banging on his door at 645 in the morning armed to the T from, from head to toe with army armor and body armor, mm. um, M16s, uh, uh, a battering ram to be able to come down into his house, and uh, basically said that, that we want to arrest you and we're going to talk to you. Uh, according to Hauk, uh, he was tied up, handcuffed, shackled to a table outside. Um, you know, and this is after his attorney, five months before this whole incident happened, his attorney had basically said, you are going to bring charges against my client. He is willing to come in, turn himself in right. with no problem. As we know, he was acquitted of all charges, and uh, currently right now, Hauk is uh, seeking a uh, possible lawsuit against the FBI. Right, right. And this isn't the only thing that Senator Hawley asked Merrick Garland about. He also um, asked him about a memorandum that was issued by FBI agents out of the Richmond, Virginia field office. This document, it implies that the FBI is planting spies in traditional Catholic churches, particularly where they practice the Latin Mass. What can you tell us about this, Eric? Well, yeah, I mean, this memorandum was, was very interesting when you read it. Uh, it, it actually talked about how 
pro-life Catholics who love the Latin Mass mm. about how they need to be watched very carefully because they are considered a hate group, possibly even terrorists. The memorandum cites a number of sources, but the, but the biggest one is the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, as we know, that's a, a civil rights organization that is uh, very much against uh, what the Catholic values have to offer. Mm. Um, they're very uh, uh, for pro-abortion uh, status. Um, but Garland basically, he claimed that he was appalled by it all, mm. and uh, he agreed with Senator Hawley and a bunch of other senators who asked him about this. But yeah, I mean, just even, he said that there is going to be an investigation, but we have not heard anything about this investigation sure. of where it's at. More than likely, it'll just fall by the wayside. But, um, you know, you're talking about jeopardizing and categorizing Catholics who like the Latin Mass as a hate group. I mean, when you start thinking about this and how the FBI could be used to go after these people and infiltrate certain masses and attend these masses and kind of keep a log and a dialogue of, of what interaction that they have with certain Catholics, it's pretty scary. Pretty frightening, indeed, yes. indeed. Eric, we have about you know, a minute left, a number of pro-abortion bills continue to make their way through Congress. Can Correct. you talk us through a couple of them before we let you go? Yeah, there are a number of pro-abortion bills. One of them is the Shields Act, and the other one is the EACH Act. Now, the Shields Act is uh, by Sheila Jackson, Democrat from uh, Texas. Mm -hmm. The Shields Act basically protects, it kind of creates the framework to be able to protect uh, uh abortion doctors out there. It protects their privacy. It mm -hmm. also protects them from being able to perform these abortions. Another one is the EACH Act, which is the Equal Access to Abortion Coverage in Healthcare. Now, this is what's interesting. This one really opens the door. When you start reading in the details of what this bill actually has, I'm going to read a little bit for you. Mm -hmm. All people should have access to abortion services regardless of actual or perceived race, color, ethnicity, language, ancestry, citizenship, immigration status, or even sex. So what this means is that even the migrants that are coming over, illegal migrants that are crossing over the border right now with Biden's open border policy, right. even they can get taxpayer-funded abortions with our tax dollars get abortions. Mm. And then it also states about people that are in prison, incarcerated, that they should be able to have taxpayer-funded abortions with our money. And this is completely throwing out the Hyde Amendment, um, a variety of different amendments that have been here for long-standing uh, statutes yeah. in in our in our in our law. And uh, so it's a very scary time up on Capitol Hill, but uh, we're going to continue to keep watching these bills very closely, and we're making a difference up there of just our presence and continuously asking lawmakers about these bills that are making their way through Congress. Absolutely. You are asking the tough questions, and I know that well, our viewers you. are learning yeah. so much. So thank you so much, Eric. It's thank great you to very have you much. On. Great thank to you. be here. Coming up, I speak out against two Republican senators who claim to be Catholic but continue to vote for measures that expand abortion. And we speak with one of the newest pro-life members of Congress about her time on Capitol Hill so far and how she is working to save babies in the womb.
Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. For this week's Speak Out segment, Senators Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski claim to be Catholic Republican women. But do their voting records reflect that? Find out right now. Both Senator Murkowski of Alaska and Senator Collins from Maine claim time and again that they are moderate Republicans, but their stances on abortion are as extreme as they come. They are both working to bring back Roe v. Wade and codify it in federal law. They also favor the Equal Rights Amendment, which could install a right to abortion in the Constitution. They maintain their fake moderate status by voting against Democrats sometimes on abortion, but in the same breath would bring back an undemocratically decided case that allows for abortion on demand through the moment of birth. And both Collins and Murkowski claim to be Catholic. So don't be fooled by their words. Look at their actions. Time and again, Collins and Murkowski have abandoned the women, babies, and Catholics they claim to represent. They keep a low profile, but work to perpetuate the lie that abortion is necessary for women. Their position is spineless, and we must pray for their repentance and conversion. And for this week's Pro-Life Focus, we're excited to welcome one of the newest members of Congress to the show, a pro-life Republican who succeeded in flipping Florida's 13th congressional district after it had been controlled by Democrats since 2016. Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna's win was part of a red wave that just keeps getting bigger in the Sunshine State. Florida currently limits abortion at 15 weeks, but state lawmakers just introduced a bill that would strengthen protections for babies, stopping abortions as early as you can hear a heartbeat. A new poll conducted by Ragnar Research Partners shows that 60% of Florida voters spanning both political parties support the new heartbeat bill. Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna joins me now for this week's Pro-Life Focus. Congresswoman, it's great to be with you. Welcome to the show. I listened to a podcast episode of yours recently where you shared about a moment in a college lab, I believe, and um, it really invigorated your personally pro-life beliefs. And, and I was wondering if you could just tell me about that moment and what ensued after that. Yeah, so I was actually in my senior year of college, and I was taking a developmental biology course as a prerequisite, not just for medical school, but then also to fulfill my graduation requirements. And so at this point, we went through the entire process of conception to how you have a developing human being and then ultimately birth. But obviously, we don't do human experimentation, so we were using chicken embryos. And ultimately, I was there with one of my microscopes and running a dissection on a developing chicken um, chick, basically. And so I had my scalp. I'm looking through the lens of this microscope. And as I moved my scalpel towards the um, the chicken embryo, it shifted actually away from my scalpel. And so I'm sitting there just observing this and I was actually blown away by it, but I couldn't stop thinking about, well, this is happening to a chicken. Imagine a human being. Right. And ultimately, as a result of that class, not only did I, you know, absolutely realize that, you know, you know, from a personal perspective before, it wasn't that I was ever pro-abortion. It was just that I think like so many young people, you know, you think, well, maybe the federal government should just stay out of it and ultimately um, not really pass 
any federal legislation against that. But once you see that, once you see the science, and then from my perspective, obviously looking into what really that entails, I mean, there's no arguing what it ultimately involves, that life does begin at conception, and that even something like a chicken could sense danger from a scalpel and me running the experiment. And so I think that that perspective, obviously I was so impacted by it that I actually ended up taking home 60 of these chicken eggs, and I actually ended up hatching them and then ultimately giving them away. But I feel like if more young people, especially in the college scenarios, were actually shown that information, I think this whole argument of, you know, um, abortion being a woman's right to choose, I mean, ultimately, it's not about that. And the same party that argues that you want to trust the science and to believe the science refuses to acknowledge what constitutes life in the womb and what constitutes life at conception. Yeah, what a great point. And Congresswoman, you've spoken out before about how your husband was conceived in rape. Can you tell me a bit about the story of his life and, and why it inspires you to speak out against exceptions for abortion? Yeah, so my husband actually, when we first met, he told me that he was adopted, both him and his twin brother. And it wasn't until about he was maybe 22 years old or 23 years old that we were actually able to track down his birth mother. Um, and ultimately, you know, a lot of people, and I and I say this all the time, a lot of people that are from these exceptions, whether it's rape or incest, are never going to tell you that, right? Like, no one's ever going to walk up to you and say, you know, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm, I'm a rape baby. And I will applaud my husband because he's been able to actually go on record and talk about that. But, you know, when people say, well, what about these 1% exceptions? You know, kudos to his biological mom for actually um, having the children, adopting them out. And that must have been incredibly difficult for her. But, you know, my husband later on went and was awarded a Bronze Star and a Purple Heart and helped literally destroy ISIS. And so imagine if his mom would have made that decision to not have him. I would have, first of all, not had a husband. And then also, too, he's helped so many people. And so I think it's important to note that just because someone is conceived in sometimes terrible circumstances does not mean that they are less deserving of a right to live. And so I think that that's one of these arguments that people will like to use that exception. My husband is the exception, and that's exactly why we're so staunchly pro-life. Yeah, yeah, a powerful witness. We're glad you can share his story. And before I let you go, we have about a minute left, but I wanted to get your reaction to the fact that Florida lawmakers just introduced a heartbeat bill in the state legislature. You know, Florida is one of the only states right now that has a 15-week limit on the books. What do you think it's going to take for stronger protections to be put in place? I think that that absolutely should be on there, and that is following the science. You know, again, people that talk about trusting the science, believing the science, don't want to acknowledge what science is in the womb. And from a scientific perspective, you know, a lot of these legislation rulings and decisions are completely out of date. Obviously, we've, we've seen so much more come out from the scientific community from the initial ruling of Roe v. Wade. And I think that, you know, we have a good legislature that will actually take up that mantle and I think push that in the state of Florida, and it needs to happen. You know, um, from my perspective, when you had the ruling come down from the Supreme Court saying that it is a state's rights decision. It absolutely is. And I have faith within my governor, within the state of Florida legislature to do the right thing, follow the science, and actually protect life at heartbeat. Congresswoman Annapolina Luna, thank you so much for your time and for joining us today. God bless you. We're praying for you. Thank you very much. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing prolifeweekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.